Hello and welcome back to An Abundance of Thrones, this week's weekly cap, or recap rather, of Game of Thrones, in this case Season 5. Garrett here, partnered with Wade. Hello. Brad is not with us this week. Uh, we would like to express that this is an explicit podcast. An illicit. Illicit, it's illicitly explicit. Um, so if language is a problem for you, uh, we recommend turning it off and we will be going through the most recent episode of game of thrones in this case it is high sparrow in detail so if spoilers are a problem for you um thank you and have a good night yeah we'll see you next time um some of the metadata so to speak for this episode uh, director debut for Game of Thrones, a Mark Millod, M-Y-L-O-D. This is his first episode for Thrones. He has directed such things as X-Men animated series, uh, Supernatural, uh, Dark Angel, um, a bunch of other shows kind of in that genre. Mm. Uh, the writer for this episode, uh, I do believe it is the Double Ds, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Viewership again a decline, six point seven one million. Um, I do still believe that's up from last season. Not totally sure, but uh, we're on a steady decline this this season from one now to three. Uh, that could be a big part though of the episodes leaking, and so people that have yeah. already seen it uh, don't need to see it on airtime because they've watched it two or three times already. Which one? Which episode was season or what episode number was this? This is episode three. Okay, so we'll probably still see a decline next week. But it should probably kick up, if our thesis is correct, should kick up uh, the next week. Yeah, I've heard conflicting reports on if four episodes leaked or five. Ah. So uh, we'll see how that kind of happens. Uh, but we start off this episode in Bravos at the House of Black and White, where... Um, a girl wants to serve. A girl wants to be no one. But does she? Or does she want to serve just herself? That is the concern by... Well, formerly... Uh, what was his name? Um, Jack and Hagar? Yeah, Jack and Hagar. Thank you. A man who's not? A man that is not Jack and Hagar. A little <laughs> concerned that maybe uh, Arya's agenda is that of her own and not to maybe the higher calling of uh, the men with no faces. We transition to King's Landing, of which we visit uh, a few times this episode. Uh, we get the wedding of King Tommen and now Queen Marjorie. A happy wedding. The happiest of weddings well, maybe second happiest wedding we've seen in the entire series. <laughs> Rob's wedding was not a bad one, although his uncle's not so awesome. But then this one, and uh, we there, get the immediate bedding. There was no uh, color for this wedding. What the heck? There was no color, as no color was needed. It was a standard run-of-the-mill... Uh, royal wedding. Royal wedding. With a bedding. With an official bedding. And um, Marjorie kind of plants a seed about maybe Cersei may or may not be better off in Casterly Rock. Well, really, Marjorie would be better with Cersei in Casterly Rock. Maybe part of her ploy we saw from last episode where she's telling uh, Loras that 
Perhaps Cersei will be here. Perhaps not. We may never know. Or or we may. Or we might. And then Cersei confronts Marjorie. Um, kind of anything you need to let her know. And this well, was kind of a weird scene. Before that, we had uh, Tonim. Tommen. 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 There you go. Uh, kind of grilling her about it. Yeah, I mean, the seed was planted in his mind, and he confronts uh, Cersei about, wouldn't she be happier in Casterly Rock? That's her home. She always talks so highly about it. Um, this, that, and the other. And Cersei says, my home is where my family is, and my family is here. So. Trying to dismiss the uh, questions, but all right. Yeah. And then we get the real housewives of Westeros. <laughs> Uh, Cersei confronts Marjorie, and kind of some some side little jabs here. Marjorie says, "Well, she wishes they, she had wine for the Queen Mother, but it's too early in the day for them to be drinking, so they don't have any." Hinting that Cersei's a bit of a lush, which we all knew. Uh, apparently, it runs in the family. Yep. And um, kind of this odd back and forth with the two of them. Uh, Cersei's saying whatever you need Marjorie kind Just of poking throwing, at her a little bit yeah, more kind of throwing a little poke every there and then yeah it's kind of kind of strange and if I know anything from watching Game of Thrones is don't piss off a Lannister that's correct and now, she's poking the wrong dog now that Tywin's dead yeah although you make you wonder what Cersei's um Agenda? Agenda, followers, uh, loyalties, supporters. That's really the word I'm looking for. Uh, how many supporters supporters she really has in the world now that Tywin is of no more? And then I believe we transitioned to Winterfell. Um, it's a little tough for me. It looked like Winterfell Towers, but the Boltons typically reside in Moat Kaelin, which we do see... And oh, that's another thing to mention. Moat Kalen was in the opening credits. The first time we've seen that in the opening credits. Yep. Uh, nowhere else, which is fine because we didn't really go anywhere that wasn't represented this week. To say they, if they were in Winterfell, they traveled rather quick because they were back in Moat Kalen for. Mm, how do I say this? Future events. There we go. Yeah, so we see the Boltons arrive to uh, what Ramsey says their new home, which I can only, you know, interpret as Winterfell. I mean, they wouldn't call Moat Kalen their new home because that's where they're out of. Yeah. Uh, and so Ramsey is confronted by Roos about the flayed bodies we see in the scene, and Ramsey was sent to collect taxes. The family wouldn't pay their taxes, so he flayed them living, making their son the new lord, and he promptly pay the taxes which to say the bodies that they used there there wasn't an ounce of fat on those bodies that was some pretty clean muscle tissue considering if they were lords i mean yeah i mean usually they've got some meat on them these bodies were pretty muscular muscular in terms of clean muscle tissue yeah i'm just not really a body you think about as a lord like the female maybe yeah stuff to say you know whatever more on, uh, you know, Game of Thrones special effects. 
So, and then Roos is talking to to Ramsey about now that he is an offic- officially a Bolton, um, it's high time that he wed and wed the right girl. In which to, in order to have a better claim on the North, really is the agenda here. That's given the speech, the great houses keep their power by marriage. Yep, that's how they grow. They don't. They don't keep their power by flaying people, even though that's the Bolton way. It's the Ramsey way, more like it. Well, it's the House Bolton's banner is the flayed man, so Ramsey got it from somewhere. Mm. Maybe it took it a little bit too much. To yeah, heart. that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> a little too sadistic. He's, well, now you'll know who took. It's <laughs> true. I mean, now there's no question who was here. Screw uh, the flag. What the. F- yeah, then we jump to Moat Kalen, for sure, because uh, it's clearly addressed by Sansa and Baelish. Sansa is informed that the wedding proposal that Baelish was talking about was not for himself, but was for Sansa. And she is highly resistant, as the Boltons are responsible for killing and betraying her family. Poor Words girl. making faces. Poor girl. Always tossed around, never to do much of her own, unfortunately. Yep. And Baelish persuades her to stop being a bystander in uh, in the world and become a player. We get a really weird scene transition, though, from them to the two horses on the cliff, which we learn is Brienne and Podrick. It was really kind of a weird lifting up and scene movement. It wasn't like a just clear cut. Actually... I don't know her from in Moat Kalen because as uh, Brienne and Podrick were following her, uh, they do raise the issue, uh, Podrick raised the issue that because they go around the loose site, but Brienne says, oh, I didn't know where they're going, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So um, was it questionable that we are actually in? Well, in that scene, it was very clearly Moat Kalen, but where we see the Boltons later... It was confusing because the towers looked a lot like Winterfell and Ramsay says their new home. Now, maybe Ramsay never resided in Moat Kalen because he was a bastard. Uh, mm-hmm. And so now it's a new home for him, which would make sense. Um, but it, going back, we'll address a, a couple issues uh, or concepts in a little bit. Uh, but we see Brienne and Podrick. Uh, Brienne, I'm sorry, Podrick shares the story of being pardoned by Tywin because his last name was Payne. Now I wondered why that was significant, um, but Illyn Payne yeah. was part of the court, and he was the executioner, who also, um, in previous events prior to the show, had his tongue removed. Character, not actor. So maybe there's a connection there. I'm not really sure the importance of House Payne as to why Tywin would pardon Podrick for a ham-stealing incident. Borrowing. Borrowing. (laughs) Borrowing incident, yes, thank you. (laughs) Uh, And then Brienne expresses that she's sorry for always snapping at Pod. Pod's got a nice little outlook on life on... Oh, yeah. If if you didn't snap at me, I wouldn't learn anything. I mean, Pod's optimism and, and way of looking at the world is... I mean, good on him. There's a reason why he's still a squire. He doesn't know how to play the game. That's true. Uh, But Brienne tells him that she's going to train him to fight and ride. She can't knight him 
And Podrick says, that's okay. I think the fighting part's more important anyway. <laughs> I think surviving is better. More important than a title. So I'm with Pod on that one. And then we get the story as to why Brienne likes uh, or liked Renly so much. She, uh, he was the only one that was kind to her when all the other boys were point making fun of her lumbering giantness and called her Brienne the Beauty, poking fun of her not being an attractive girl. But Renly, because his interests are elsewhere, uh, had no problem spending time in showing kindness, uh, knowing that it wasn't after either aspect. And uh, Brienne thanked him for it because it distracted her from all the other people. Such a nice boy. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to the wall. Right after Brienne talks about the face of the shadow was Stannis, we cut to the wall and cut to Stannis, <laughs> who is re-offering or whatnot to John for his lordship and the name of Stark. And John refuses. Not only has he sworn a vow... But uh, he now holds a prestigious title, so to speak, in the Night's Watch and expresses his place is there. Uh, although this whole interaction, John is able to refuse Stannis while still retain Stannis' respect, I felt. It's still, you know, I thank you for the offer, but my place is here. But I mean, it, he refuses a king... And the king still is like, well, okay, well, you're the Lord Commander. You know, this is your decision. I'm not taking it away from you. I'm not demeaning you by it. I still got a very kind of cordial respect both ways on this. There's a very cordial respect and let's be honest, you still need the wall. Yeah, but I mean, Stannis could have been a total dick to him and just left and been, you know, none the wiser, no better off one way or the other. But he chose to be... A little bit more honorable and tactful. Of course, he, he also could, you know, just the tradition of the Night's Watch does come with the honorables saying, you know, how do I say this? By disrespecting the Night's Watch and continuing to pressure John, mm -hmm. you know, and if John takes the title, he disrespects that and is a, you know, deserter, which is punishable by death. As we learned in the very first episode. Yep. So, I think Stannis sees it as, you're holding true to your oath and I respect that. Yep. I may not agree with it, but I at least respect that choice. And then Davos, good old Davos Seaworth, the Hand of the King, uh, hangs back a little bit and expresses to John that in the vow for the Night's Watch... Uh, one of the lines is, I am the shield that guards the realm of man. Realms? Realm? Realms? Realm? realm something like that. <laughs> and uh, Davos expresses that although he's not a learned man, uh, that maybe the best place to protect the most people is not sitting at a castle at the edge of the world. And I gotta say, Davos has a point here. Yes, but the thing is, what kind of people would John be protecting if he wasn't at the wall. The point say, is that with the Boltons holding the North, the North will suffer. And in order to protect the most people, maybe John assist in securing the North for Stannis and restoring order 
I still doubt that with the ever-present looming but that's darkness. The, that's the ploy they're saying. That's the political agenda or message they're expressing to John. Mm, I just disagree with it. It's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. We transition back to Bravos, the house of black and white, and a girl who apparently has had a little bit more knowledge and training of the men without faces uh, confronts Arya and asks her who she is while beating her. Arya gets to the breaking point, about ready to pull out Needle when uh, a man who is not a man, or a man who is no one, rather, um... <laughs> I'm sure he's still a man. He's not an unsolid. Uh, asks what, what's going on, and the girl says they're playing the game of faces, to which is expressed Arya's not ready. And when she says that she is, he points out that, well, if you're supposed to be no one, why are you surrounded by Arya Stark's sword and Arya Stark's clothes and Arya Stark's stolen gold? Uh, uh, a man wonders how no one has all this... They're surrounded by Arya Stark's things. Exactly. So, we cut to Arya pitching all of her goods into the water. From her clothes, to her stolen gold, to her iron coin. And then, the hard decision of Needle. You, you kind of had a moment of relief for this one. I did, I did, because it, it very much looked like she was going to toss Needle, and that would have been a blow to everybody. In the book, she hides it under a brick uh, that are steps, uh, either within the town or leading up to uh, the House of Black and White. We had a slight variation here where she hides it in some rocks by the water, but it was good enough for me. Uh, interestingly, you know, uh, this is, what, the first time we've seen Arya in a dress since the first or second episode <laughs> of the show. She must not be too happy about that. Nope. A bit of a tomboy, that one. And then well. she's invited to help wash a body in which she asks what happens after that, and she gets a bit of a glare. Kind of a you-know-nothing glare. <laughs> you-know-nothing, Arya Stark. That's like fun. your brother. Well, kind of, but half-brother. That's right. Uh, rumored half-brother if we want to feed into the um, conspiracy theories out there as many would say that John may or may not actually be Ned's child at all uh. do, 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 do. Um, okay so following back up with Sansa and Ramsey uh, again if we're in Winterfell then or if we were in Winterfell before then we pick up in there um Otherwise, we could be in Moat Kalen. Again, uh, it was a little confusing watching the show. If you know, let us know. Please uh, correct us. Uh, Sansa's introduced to Ramsay. She plays the political part with Bolton and uh, is polite and cordial. And Ramsay's uh, pretty happy to meet her at the despise of his harem, so to speak. A bunch of women who were not very happy to see. Kind of looking down. Yeah, they weren't super, uh, super thrilled with the situation. And um, Ari, or Sansa's taken up to her room where she can bathe and uh, an elder lady, I can only imagine as a handmaiden, expresses that the North remembers and says, welcome home. So that's what led me to believe we were in Winterfell. But 
Moat Kalen also resides in the north too, so it could be a general welcome home to the north, or it could be welcome home to Winterfell if that's where we're at. It almost kind of makes me think there is a quote-unquote resistance. <laughs> There's someone who's near. It's the north remembers. It's like, okay, we, we remember who rules the north. We know there's it's a resistance. Not these people. We know there's a resistance because the people that Ramsay flayed expressed that the only, the the one true warden of the north will always be a Stark. And, and the Raven Scroll that John got in Or that Stannis got at the wall that was fed over to John from the Mormont clan was that they will only pledge themselves to the one uh, the true king in the north, uh, of which that name would be Stark. Yep. So we know that the North is very loyal to the Stark House. We go back to King's Landing, where we find ourselves in a brothel, an old man on his knees, choosing which uh, face of the seven-faced god he would worship that day. And we find out that this is one and only uh, the High Septum. I'm going to believe the high leader of the religion in Westeros, at least yes. the major religion. He's, the ma- he's like essentially the Pope for the seven-faced God. Mm-hmm. And yet he's found in a brothel um, choosing which maiden to... Doing what you do in a brothel. <laughs> and the to Sparrows, bed. the Sparrow clan, who are the fanatics revolving around the seven-faced God, uh, feel he needs to be punished for heresy and for being a sinner by visiting said brothel. Uh, so they take him out in public, naked. They whap his hands every time that uh, he tries to cover himself up. So he has to walk through the st- streets naked and exposed. And then apparently they beat him and leave him bloody on the steps. To which we then see him standing before the small council. Yes. He approaches a small council and says... With uh, clothes on, thank God. Yeah, finally, he's clothed. <laughs> expresses that any attack on him is an attack on the religion. Any assault on his person is uh, a crime, saying that he is the one who supposedly relays the seven-faced God's message to the people. And the crime is an attack against the many-faced God as well. That's right. Uh, any attack on him is an attack against that religion directly. And request that the leader of the Sparrow clan, which we are told they have claimed as the High Sparrow, uh, be executed. Pretty uh, rash thinking for someone who's supposed to represent (laughs) a a seven-faced god, one of which offers forgiveness and safety. Um, But hey, you know, more hypocrisy from the priest. So Cersei goes to meet up with the High Sparrow to really find out what's going on here. And she finds a modest man wearing no shoes, feeding the poor and starving. And expresses that the High Septum wanted him executed. But she decided to put the High Septum in jail. And express that um, her views are in line with that of uh, the Sparrows for some reason. I'm not really sure what her intent is with this. I mean, you'd think she'd want anybody and everybody to build up her power hold on King's Landing to support her. And yet she aligns herself with essentially an unknown. Mm. 
Does she see that there may be a change afoot within the major religions, or? Well, uh, it's unknown what she's what she sees, but she's always out for her own agenda, and then she's aligning herself with somebody who's so humbled that he gives his shoes away to someone who needs them more and wears essentially robes because it's the right thing to do, and it humbles him as a person instead of someone who's power-hungry, where she has always been pretty power-hungry. So uh, just kind of confused by the alignment here and to, mm. to what her agenda is. Well, so who's humble as if she can most likely see that the group, the Sparrows, is kind of a very action-oriented when they That's find... True. The issues, kind of more, it's issues with the, pol- with profaning the religion. Sure. And maybe she's... she could use that to her advantage. Remember, this yeah, is one she... of the best players. Yeah, but at the same time, she's sleeping with her brother, or was, and having bastard kids uh, when married to the king. So she's not exactly this great moral person to being lying, aligning herself with this overly moral group. One word. Circe. <laughs> I mean, we'll just see what happens here. I mean, it's just kind of, it was strange for me a little bit. I'm just trying to put, connect the dots. And then we can, we transition to Kyburn's chamber. A brief interaction with Circe. But then we see a body uh, on a table of, uh, covered in a tarp. And then... That body starts to flail and fight for its freedom. Kind of strange. Any uh, ideas? Uh, well, knowing Kyburn and his creepiness, let's go with that, that he might have something under that, what, tarp? Blanket? Sure. Cover? Cover. That is not too happy about its particular situation and is writhing for any kind of action. So you think this is more of a Frankenstein-style experiment than anything else? Have you been watching? You just like, oh yeah, uh, I'll take that dwarf head and uh, would he take a rat and start dissecting it? Yeah, he had a rat. He cut the head off of a rat. Um, doing something with that. So... The last person, um, major player we saw him with, though, was the Mountain, who was only mostly dead when we last saw him. Was mm, speared with fruit. poison from Oberyn. So, we'll see what comes out of that. But also, he is a healer, so mostly He's a dead. a former maester. Yep. Yep, mostly dead. As you've stated to me when we were watching. Does not mean all dead. You need the body. That's right. Proof. Uh, we transition back to the north where Baelish is meeting up with Ramsey. And Ramsey says that he's going to treat Sansa well. He'll never hurt her. And Baelish expressing that uh, that's good because he's grown quite fond of Sansa. And then we get a little bit of an interaction with um, Roos in that... He doesn't care about Sansa's honor in terms of being a virgin or not. All he needs is the name to help secure the North. 
but a raven had come or a messenger came from the Erie with a message from Circe uh, for Peter. Um, did they even say what it was about? I don't remember that they did. I don't think that they did, but Roos is very uh, suspicious about any interactions that are to and from the, the capital. Noting that the seal was broken. Noting that it was broken, the message was addressed to Peter, and uh, Roos had opened it and read it and had requested reading um, the message that before it was sent back. So he's... Uh, He's definitely a little bit on edge. He doesn't know who to trust. Just because something's going his way doesn't mean it's going to go his way forever. As we all know. So. I like how we said this was an explicit podcast, but we still yeah, haven't. We haven't said anything. <laughs> it's okay. We only opened the door up for us to be able to say something, but we're so used to behaving on microphone that it's, uh, it's hard to break habits. Yep. Finally, we transition to Volantis. Uh, this is a place that we did not see in the opening, although I don't think it plays a major role. I think Volantis is more of a, uh, a junction than a necessarily a legitimate uh, city. And Tyrion wants desperately out of his box. He's concerned he's going to lose his mind. And he'd be no good to anybody if he's witless. Well, he's going to be no value to anyone if he's headless this is true uh varus expresses the categories for the slaves they tattoo flies on their face for uh dung scoopers shit scoopers they essentially different tattoos tears for whores and tears for whores um there were a couple other ones in there uh, hammers for builders yep uh so that the slaves were easy to identify uh no um you know falsities there we're introduced to another red priestess, uh, who, which people may know, she was in the Wolverine movie and recently in the Arrow TV show on CW. And we get another call out to Thoros of Mir. Talk about moving up, isn't she? She's, she's in what? X Men, Wolverine. Yep. The she's, Arrow. Now it's like HBO. And she Game was of in Thrones. that uh, Forty Seven Ronin movie with Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah, she was the dragon chick. Yep. But we get another call out to Thoros of Mir, the only other red priest who uh, many people have seen. Uh, we also got a call out to him when Jorah Mormont and uh, Barristan Selmy were talking last season, I think, uh, and his flaming sword. So, And then, mm, if you funny. remember, he's the one who brought back uh, the leader of the Brother Without Banners. Now, what, seven times, nine times, whatever it was. Yeah, he was the one with the flaming sword that... Leader of the Banners. But when Thoros of Mir fought in the battle, the revolt against the Mad King, apparently he had a flaming sword. Ah. So. Uh, just a name to remember that we've uh, seen it. Uh, we find out, too, while they're listening to the Red Priestess, that apparently Tyrion is bilingual. And it sounds like Valyrian. The Red Priestess in her speak sounds like she's speaking Valyrian. The words just kind of sound as we've heard Daenerys talk. But Tyrion is picking out words talking about the rock people, meaning the people with the grayscale, um, all that stuff that he's extrapolating directly from the Red Priestess. So 
little bit more to Tyrion than meets the eye. So if you didn't pick up on that, that may prove very handy when he meets up with Daenerys. Let's not be, you know... I'm just saying we got a taste of him being bilingual here. He is a very smart person and knows to use his way around. Agreed. But no one in the Seven Kingdoms that he knew spoke Valyrian. And yet he understands Valyrian. So I'm just throwing it out there in case the viewers miss that. When you need to get out in any way, it's good to be able to speak the same language. Yep. So once again, we find Tyrion where he is uh, the most comfortable in a brothel. We are greeted by a Daenerys whore, a uh, bear-assed Daenerys lookalike. To which many of the patrons of said brothel are looking for an opportunity to fuck a queen. Mm. Then they never met a queen. Never met a queen. And Tyrion uh, approaches another uh, whore. And she's, he says that you have no drink. And she says, well, you have no money. He says, well, do I look like somebody who has no money? And he says, I was up until recently, I was one of the richest men in the world. She laughs, and he expresses that who needs money when you can make a whore laugh? But, much to Tyrion's surprise, he is unable to follow through with um, the deed. The fucking is uh, off the table for him for some reason. E.D. (laughs) (laughs) After killing Shay, he's got a little um, performance issue, anxiety maybe. So he goes over to, once again, piss off a wall. And he's confronted by Jorah, who kidnaps Tyrion. And says that he's taking Tyrion to the queen. My question is, which queen? If he knows that Cersei's promising a lordship for Tyrion's head, and he's always wanted to go back to Westeros, as that's where he was banished, does he take up that offer? Or does he go for love and try to get back in Danny's good graces by presenting a Lannister at her feet. The card will tell. And that's as much, that's where we got through for this episode. So we didn't get any Danny, um, which it looks like we're going to get plenty of uh, next episode, as the next episode is called the, uh, I think it's the Children of the Harpy. There were a lot of the Sons of the Harpy in the Sons preview. of the Harpy, that's right. Yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of them in the, scenes for next episode so it seems Darneris may be able to uh, wipe one thorn from her side yep although I still think she's trying to handle everything with a broad brush stroke and it's kind of falling apart beneath her that's true yeah, I mean, we'll just kind of see where some of this leads. I mean, a lot of us suspected that maybe Varys was trying to link up with Jorah, as we knew that Jorah was spying on Danny for Varys and the king uh, at the time. So we thought there was maybe a, a connection there, but apparently that's not... Maybe there hasn't been the greatest communication, uh, if that was Varys' plan, thinking that maybe when they said the road to Marine wasn't a physical road, but a connection in Volantis to get into um, see Danny, But maybe that's not quite uh, going to plan. Maybe didn't really get to talk to him first before 
the aforementioned kidnapping, abduction, Lannister napping, <laughs> Lana napping. No, that doesn't really work. Dwarf napping? What? I, I don't know. Is it kidnapping if it's a dwarf? Is it dwarf napping? I don't know. Does it, does it go on a height scale? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Must be this tall to be not considered a kid. Um, so do you have any predictions or, or things you may be looking forward to coming up in the following seasons? We're a little short on the episode here. so yeah, Unfortunately, um, we were, we're missing a head. Yep. Uh, Brad likes to throw in a little bit of devil's advocacy or see things that maybe we miss. So unfortunately, he's not here to kind of play that. So it's a little bit shorter. So we're missing about a third of our podcast, but whatever. That's roughly true. <laughs> Considering the time. I'm just kind of waiting for Darnerys to get off the throne and take the fight to okay. Westeros. Okay. So you're, you're tired of her sitting back and relaxing um, yeah, and you want her to take a little kind of tired action. of her just stand, sitting around trying to cover everything with you know, one rule, you know, I'm not going to open the fighting pits. This person offered a trial to the son of the harpy, but straight up murder the guy who killed the son. So went on one decision, completely turned around on it the next. So I'm, I'm just kind of just want to get her going. And hopefully well, we know there's a revolt in Marine, or at least there was at the end of last episode when she executed the slave. Um, the slaves weren't so happy on um, being treated like slaves again, I think, is really where they were coming from there. They didn't have a, a leader on their side or that they could whisper into, and maybe they felt betrayed. But I think Danny had to do that to show the lords or the high, the former masters that I'm not one-sided, and this person killed someone else, and this is the punishment. Um, so I understand I that. I tried. Do you see what happens? Yeah. So I think she's trying to express that I have the power here, and this is my will. Uh, it didn't necessarily go well with the crowd revolt. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of more... I saw it as, look, I'm treating everyone equally here. Exactly. But I guess that's not how some of the... Well, it's like the slave said, people only understand blood. They don't understand fair or justice or trial. They understand blood. Mm-hmm. So, and the slave saw a slave killed. Former slave saw a former slave killed. So, um, you know, that's where their head's at. Uh, so, I just... I guess she'll just have to be... Okay, yeah, we got these sons of the harpies captured. Now, behead them all? Just yeah. to prove fairness? Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, the next episode is called Sons of the Harpy. It will be under the same director, so we should see uh, some decent action. Um, we kind of breezed over, actually, or did I not write it down? What's that? I want to go back. We didn't talk about it. Um, we revisit the wall. Um, so backtrack here a little bit. Oh, yes. We revisit the wall where um, John is delegating tasks, and they need a new... Um, God, I know I had it somewhere. Let me see if I've got it in my notes here. Hold on one second. Um, delegates one of the guys as the as in the new first or head ranger or whatever it was, and then sends another guy who didn't really like his choice of trotting him off to another 
Yeah, so I don't have it written down here, but they're, first we're looking for someone to be a captain of digging out some trenches or something like that. Latrine. And uh, a latrine, Captain La- Captain Latrine. In case if you... Be- and they gave it to a ginger, uh, said good enough ginger, good, sounds like a job for a ginger, and they gave it to sounds a, like a, a good nobody. Job. Yeah, um, if people don't know what a latrine is, it's a bathroom. Yeah, it's a shithole. Literally, quite literally, a it's, hole for shit. It's, yeah, it's where it goes. Um... <laughs> And then he appoints, um, what's his name? The, the, the dickhead, um, the acting, acting commander of the night's watch at the time appoints him head ranger as he's has more experience than anybody. And, um, a, de- a decent enough call. And then his right hand man, uh, Janice, I think I want to say Janice Slint, but I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, he appoints him head of Grey Grey Castle Grey Watch. I think it's Grey Watch, and it's refused. Tells him to, uh, "I'm not going to go. It that's a frozen shithole. Uh, I I will. I'm refusing to go." And John confronts him again. So you're refusing a direct order. And he says, "You can shove that order up your bastard ass." To which John says, "Okay, take you're him entitled outside. to your opinion, even if it's wrong. Take him outside, and hey, uh, steward boy, get me my sword." I have to dish out a punishment the only way I know how, by my own hand. That's kind of odd to me, considering he did that. Because it was one holding up the... What, traditions of the North? As in the King of the North, whenever he, whenever the verdict comes down, is he's the one to do it, but yet denies Stannis. It wasn't even the King of the North. Uh, we saw but Ned you know Stark what I mean. do this at the first episode. Uh, it was just kind of the Stark way, and yeah, yeah I know, he's that's a bastard, but he's... that's how he was taught, that I dealt the punishment, and I'm going to follow it through. Yeah, he was what, denied Stannis, or refused Stannis, sorry, but still kept the tradition of the Lord of the North, even though he is not, when he makes a judgment, he carries it out himself. Yeah, and I don't think that's so much paying tribute to lordship or anything. It's just kind of how he was taught, how Ned did it. Uh, Ned <laughs> that's being how Ned. quotation marks daddy did it. And it works well so far. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Iron Man quote. Um, so, yeah, and I, I love the clip where the guy begs for mercy and John hesitates for a second and goes, yeah, no. And <laughs> yeah, we got a very clear beheading on this one where we didn't get it with the slave and Marine. We got it with this one. They showed the neck, the head that fell off. It showed the innards and everything of the neck. It was great. It was brilliant work. Um, So, yeah, John expressing that, yeah, I may be young. um, I may not be the Lord Commander some of you wanted, but I am the Lord Commander that the most of you selected, and my word is law. And here's the price for for not following it. Refuse my order and... That's, uh, this is what's going to happen. Follow my orders and you may live. Don't so, follow my orders and you'll die pretty surely. This is one of my favorite scenes of this episode because, uh, you know, the guy is trying to play all tough and then, uh, the main guy or the guy that's appointed, um, head ranger steps out of the way and pretty much lets him, lets the wolves have Adam, so to speak. And, uh, John, although he hesitates on mercy, follows through with his, this verdict yeah and i just i was stoked that it just shows that much more conviction for john and that this is my rule this is my say your punishment is death i dish it out 
You um, were holding your breath through this episode quite a uh, bit. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I was. Aria and John, you were... I had a couple moments where I was uh Don't was do concerned. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, good times. So, uh, so yeah, that was, I'm surprised I didn't have that in my notes. So I'm glad I remembered it though. Cause that was, that was a good scene. Um, but with that, I think, uh, we look forward to the next episode, episode four, again, sons of the harpy. And I think we'll get a considerably more action this coming episode. We're getting build up. We're getting political plays. We're getting the pieces of the board moving around. It certainly looked like there'd be a bit more action with multiple sons of the harpy running out in broad daylight. Yep. So uh, let's look forward to some more action next week and uh, a full recap uh, with Brad uh, to follow. Thanks, guys, again for listening, and we'll catch you then. <laughs>